your host, Stephanie Miller, and you're listening to The Killer Kind. If you're new here, thank you for being here. And if you've been here before, then welcome back. Two weeks ago, I covered the Idaho student murders that came highly requested. And I just wanted to thank everyone who listened to that episode. I got a lot of positive feedback. So thank you guys so much. Now, with that said, I've got a brand new case for you guys today. Today, we're talking about a disappearance turned murder of another beautiful young college student. She was just 19 years old at the time and had her whole life ahead of her, similar to the Idaho students we talked about last time. And this one is another very important story to share. So with that said, let's go ahead and dive into the horrible murder of Mia Marcano. Mia Marcano was born on April 26, 2002 in Pembroke Pines, Miami. She was the second born child with the first baby girl to her parents, Marlon, who was a pretty popular DJ at the time, and her beautiful mother, Ema Scarbiel. Sadly, the two separated when Mia was pretty young. Her mom moved back to the Virgin Islands where she was from and her dad stayed in Southern Miami. Mia did go back to the Virgin Islands with her mom for quite a while, but came back to Florida before high school to finish her schooling there. Despite her parents' separation, they both provided for and loved Mia more than anything in the world. Mia grew up to be very enthusiastic and strong academically, graduating from high school in 2020. After graduation, she wanted to further her education by going off to college to study nursing at the University of Central Florida, which is in Orlando. However, with it being 2020, the UCF campus was closed and all classes were online. But when the campus reopened in the fall of 2021, Mia changed her mind and decided she wanted to study sports medicine at the local Valencia College. After making the college change, she got an apartment off campus at a complex called Arden Villas. The Arden Villas apartments were largely occupied by college students, which was perfect for Mia. Not only that, she also accepted a job in the leasing office, one to help pay for her classes, but it also allowed her to have a discount on rent, which was perfect. And by September 2021, Mia had settled into her new routine and was looking forward to the new school year. And she was crushing it. She was loving her classes, enjoying her job, and doing great at everything. Everything was going her way. That was until Mia decides to take a trip to see her family. On Friday, September 24th, 2021, Mia Marcano is supposed to be boarding a flight to go see her family. Mia had to work until about 5 p.m. that day, and then she was going to be boarding her flight that evening. But strangely, they hadn't heard from her since that early afternoon. Her mom, dad, and brother had all tried getting in touch with her to no avail. In their minds, though, they knew she was going to be getting on a flight that evening and was probably just trying to get ready to get to the airport and all of that. You know how crazy that can be. However, when her plane landed and still nobody had heard from her, the Marcano family started to worry. Her brother calls her dad and tells him that he hadn't heard from Mia either and that he's not sure she even made it on her flight. When 9.15 rolls around and still no one had heard from the 19-year-old, Ema decides to call the police and ask them to simply conduct a welfare check. 
She just wants to make sure her daughter is okay, right? So at 10.07 p.m., an Orange County Sheriff's deputy arrives at Mia's apartment in Orlando. Mia did have a roommate, and she had spoken to Mia's family, and they told her that they were going to send someone to the apartment to check on things. Now, at the time, the roommate was on her way home from work, and Ema told the officer that, look, Mia's roommate is on her way, and she can let you guys in when you get there. However, when they got inside the apartment, they realized the door to Mia's room was locked. But her roommate said it wasn't uncommon for Mia to lock her door. She typically did this when she was going out of town. Luckily, Mia's bedroom had a window that they could access from the back side of the apartment. There's actually body cam footage that I'll try to include in the show notes for today's episode so you can kind of see, like kind of follow along. And what's interesting is that at first, they just look inside Mia's room through the window using like a flashlight because this was at night. And everything appears to be in order. Mia's not there, but it looks like a normal young girl's room. However, the investigation takes a turn when one of the officers realizes the window is unlocked and he's easily able to open the window fully. This may not be a huge red flag for some people, but when Mia first moved into that apartment, her dad set up some security features throughout the place, and one of those was a lock on a partic- on that particular window, along with every window in the home, just obviously to bring some sort of reassurance and hope that these locks and these extra measures can keep his daughter safe. But what's surprising is that these locks are apparently very hard to remove. Her dad said that they were the type of locks that allowed the window to open slightly for when she wanted to let in some fresh air or something like that, but the locks kept it from being opened far enough to where someone could get in. In an interview later, he said specifically the window couldn't open up enough for someone to stick their head in. That said, they quickly realized these locks were broken. So at this point, with permission from Mia's family and with the help of the officers at the scene, the roommate offers to climb through the window into Mia's room. And once inside, she sees something a little troubling. There's a small bookcase jammed up against the bedroom door from the inside. So not only was the door locked, a bookcase had been placed on the inside of the door purposely to jam it. So... What or who was she trying to keep out? That also means that it could have been Mia that broke the window locks and climbed out. After the roommate moves the bookcase, she lets the officers into the room and they're able to take a look around. As they're looking around, they notice that the bed is a little messy, but that's not alarming to them necessarily. Then they notice a backpack with a few items of clothing her Apple Watch, and most importantly, her favorite teddy bear that she never left without. The bear was like her security blanket that she slept with. She certainly wouldn't have left for a trip without it. That indicated to everyone that the backpack was one that she had planned on taking with her to that trip home to see her family. That was probably the most troubling sign to Mia's family at first that something was wrong. It was at that point that the deputy filed a missing persons report. Now, the officer said he didn't have enough evidence to start an official investigation, even though there were some red flags. He said there wasn't enough evidence to prove that a crime had been committed, just that a young girl was missing. 
So they put her name in their national database, and that was it. But Mia's family decided to take matters into their own hands. Her father and brother make the drive from Fort Lauderdale to Orlando. Marlon said they got to Mia's apartment shortly before 3 a.m. Her roommate lets them in to look around as well. Marlon said they did the search with some gloves on in order to preserve the potential crime scene. Right away, he noticed something was wrong. Mia was apparently a very clean person. No matter what time of day, no matter what was going on, her room would have been clean. But he said that the the bed was a mess, as I kind of mentioned already, and it appeared to be shifted. Then there was a jewelry box dumped out on the floor. Not only that, one of the necklaces they had found on the floor was broken. The chain itself had been broken, but the family's attorney, Daryl Washington, said this was a piece of good quality jewelry that wouldn't have just broken from simply falling on the floor. And speaking of the floor, they also noticed under the rug in her room was a box cutter. Her dad said the box cutter was not hers. That would not have been her choice of weapon he kind of laughed about. So where did it come from? Someone who was there to possibly cause harm to the 19-year-old? That was certainly their assumption. Then there was something else officers missed during their initial search of the room. A blood stain on her pillow. So at this point, they are becoming convinced that Mia was likely abducted. But she didn't have any enemies that they knew of, so they asked her roommate. Her roommate said there was one person that she had had issues with recently. A guy by the name of Armando Caballero. He was a 27-year-old maintenance worker at the apartment complex, which is essentially one of her co-workers. Apparently, the two had exchanged numbers and had been talking for a short time. But according to her roommate, Armando had sent her text messages that were very inappropriate, basically saying that he wanted to hook up with her and she would always politely turn him down, saying she just wanted to be friends. Then there were times that he would send her money via cash app unexpectedly. Mia would immediately return the money back to him, but then he would just send it back to her. He said he wanted to use that money to wine and dine her, but when she declined his offer, he would just tell her to spend the money on herself. So after her roommate tells the family about this Armando guy, and after searching her room inside the apartment, they are definitely thinking this guy had something to do with it and she has been abducted. So they call the Orange County Sheriff's Department once again at around 4.30 a.m. A couple of officers go back down to the Arden Villas apartments to speak to the family. The Marcanos explain everything they found during their search and tell them about the conversation with the roommate. They say that they will add the information to her case file, but there's still nothing much they can do at this time. However, just before the officers leave, a security guard walks up to the officers to tell them about a suspicious vehicle in the parking lot. Marlon said when he overheard the security guard mention this, he said they went outside to check it out. And when they walked out into the parking lot, there was a guy sitting in a silver sedan with the window down who asked them, are you guys looking for Mia? And Mia's aunt, who was there as well, said, 
yeah, who are you? (laughs) And he explains that he is the on-call maintenance worker for the apartment complex. He said his name is Armando. Obviously, the family's ears instantly perk up. And when the deputy asked why he was there, he said he was talking to one of his co-workers and she told him that Mia was missing. So he had decided to come down and check things out, which makes sense at first. But then the family confronts Armando, telling him they had seen the obsessive text that he had sent, plus the money as well, and he immediately starts getting defensive. He said the text went both ways, and for them not to make him out to be some sort of stalker. He doesn't get aggressive or anything. He kind of acts like he understands that the family is upset and trying to figure out what happened to their family member. But eventually, the deputy has to separate Armando and Mia's family, and they try to talk to him alone. The deputy asks about his and Mia's relationship, and he says that their relationship was flirtatious at first. Then they ultimately decided to be friends. He also said the last time he saw Mia was at work that Friday afternoon at around 3 p.m. Now, this whole interaction, too, is also recorded on body camera footage. So that's out there. Again, I'll try to find that for you and leave it in the show notes as well. But the whole time he is talking to the family and talking to the officers and all of that, Armando is on the phone, okay? Eventually, the officer asks Armando if he can speak to the person he's on the phone with. And it's a female coworker that he mentioned earlier. He said she was a friend as well. She confirms everything that Armando has said thus far. So that's pretty much it for the interaction with Armando. Except as they were starting to wrap things up, the Orange County officer that was there was talking to the security guard. And he said he heard some noise earlier in the night coming from the storage closet. So before letting Armando go, they asked him to unlock that storage closet. So the security guard, Armando, and the officer go to the storage room and look around. But again, they ultimately say it's clear there's no sign of Mia or any evidence leading to her whereabouts. So at this point, there's nothing left to do. The family strongly believes that Armando knows more than what he's letting on, but there's no evidence to keep him. So at 6.29 a.m., the deputy tells Armando that he's free to go. Mia's family is not happy that nothing was done. Now, I don't know how many family members were there that night, but there was a small group, according to some reports. So keep that in mind. There is a good amount of family here at all times. But Marlon, Mia's dad, later explains that they just wished that the officers would have done something. He said they didn't search his car. They didn't search anything on him. They just spoke to him. And that was upsetting to them because Marlon's dad said, like, in a routine traffic stop, they searched somebody's car. So there's no reason that they couldn't have done that that night. But the group of family that was there that night decides to take matters into their own hands. By 7 a.m., they had called the local news station to report Mia missing to go ahead and get her name out there. Then some start putting up missing persons flyers around town as well. But then two women in Mia's family, I believe I'm going to guess that it's Mia's aunt and grandmother, take it upon themselves to follow Armando. Apparently, he had to give his address and phone number to the officer that night, so they made note of where he lived. And they decided to go follow him back to his apartment complex and basically stalk him. I mean, good for them. A lot of times, families aren't 
this lucky in an investigation. They don't have access to things like this, but they did. And what they found while staking out Armando's place was huge. So they record Armando getting out of his car, which looks like a silver Ford Focus, just to paint the picture for you. But they see him taking items out of his back seat. And in the video they took, you can hear them talking about what's going on. At one point, Armando can be seen taking several items out of the back seat. And when he pulls everything out, his arms are full. But you can tell one of the items is a pink blanket. And that's when you can hear Mia's grandmother say, that's my blanket. Both ladies are in shock. Marlon later explained that the pink blanket seen in the video was a blanket his mom had made for Mia. So obviously they're freaking out and calling the Orange County Sheriff's Department again. But they said that they're now in Castleberry, in the Castleberry area, which is out of their jurisdiction. So they had to hang up and call the Castleberry Police Department. And before officers can get there, though, Armando leaves. At this point, the two ladies had already alerted Marlon, of course, and he's headed to Armando's apartment as well. But while on the way there, he sees Armando's car and he decided to follow him. And they follow him to a friend's apartment. But then soon after he leaves there, he heads back to his own apartment. It was at this point that the family stops Armando and blocks his car in. They confront him about the blanket and basically tell him they know that he had something to do with me as a disappearance. They know there's more to it. He obviously jumps to his defense again and says that he doesn't know what they're talking about. He doesn't know anything about a pink blanket. He doesn't know where Mia is, blah, blah, blah. Castleberry police are called again, and when they arrive this time, they explain that they can't search Armando's apartment without a warrant unless Armando allows them to search it, which surprisingly, he does. He lets one of Mia's friends search his house. Now, his dad said that at this point, he pretty much knew that Armando already knew they were on to him. So he must have had his roommate do something with the pink blanket because by the time they got inside, the pink blanket and any of the items seen in the video of him taking those things out of his car, none of that was found. So let's stop and recap a little bit here because there's a lot going on in a very short amount of time. So at 1.36 a.m. on the early morning hours of Saturday, September 25th, Mia is officially reported missing. At 4.54 a.m., a deputy meets with Mia's family at Arden Villas. They talk to Armando. They search the storage closet. And at around 6.30 a.m., Armando's free to go. But two family members follow him. At 8.47 a.m., Castleberry PD responds to Armando's apartment after the family says they see him with a pink blanket that belonged to Mia. At 9.52 a.m., Armando's apartment is searched by one of Mia's friends, and the items belonging to Mia are nowhere to be found. But the Orange County Sheriff's Department does obtain a search warrant for Armando's home the following day, that Sunday, the 26th. From what I can tell, Nothing comes from that search, however. Now, throughout both Saturday and Sunday, there is a large group of family and friends outside of Mia's apartment, as well as some residents in that area, I'm sure, trying to figure out what's going on. Local news stations had started to hear about the missing 19-year-old and had made their way down to the apartment complex as well. 
Plus, there's a large police presence that were searching the apartment complex and the area around it. There are big search teams from what I assume to be police officers. They go out into what looks to be an overgrown field near the apartment to search for Mia. And the family had gathered a huge group of people to go out and search as well. There are so many people out searching for this young woman. Plus, each night after her disappearance, there is a candlelight vigil held at Arden Villas. And the group got progressively larger each night as they were still hoping Mia would be returned home safely. On September 26th, the family is still at Arden Villas and they ask the front office for all of the security camera footage that they have from that Friday. Unfortunately, they are told that the security cameras are only located at the office area. There are no other cameras around the complex. They still take a look at the footage captured from those cameras, and they are able to see Mia Marcano leaving the front office at 5 p.m. that Friday night when she should have been getting off work. So that adds up. She can be seen heading in the direction of her apartment. It doesn't help much, but it does give an accurate time of when she was last seen. Now, although there isn't any other security cameras near her apartment, there's another way to track Mia's activity after she leaves work that night. Apparently, each apartment is accessed by a key fob, and each key fob contains a chip with unique codes which are recorded whenever they're used. So anyone is able to see which key fob was used to access Mia's apartment and when. And once again, this was huge huge information. This key fob activity ultimately paints a picture for the family and the investigators as to what likely happened to Mia. So let's go through this, shall we? At 5.06 p.m., Mia's key fob is used to enter her apartment, but there is a six-minute delay before the door is locked. But more troubling was the fact that a different key fob was used to gain access into her apartment half an hour earlier at 4.34 p.m. And that key fob belonged to the building's maintenance man, Armando Caballero, which was gut-wrenching for the family. The family's attorney, Daryl Washington, said that they were shocked that an employee could have such easy access into a tenant's apartment. Now, there was no record of anyone opening the front door after 5 p.m. But as we know from the initial search for Mia, someone clearly came through or went out of her bedroom window. Ultimately, the family once again takes this new information that they have found to the Orange County Sheriff's Department. And this is basically what they needed. Physical evidence that placed Armando inside Mia's home. And here's the timeline they put together based on all the information they had. So investigators were able to determine that Armando called in a fake maintenance request and went inside Mia's apartment at 4.34 p.m. And when Mia arrived at 5.06, she went in her bedroom and found Armando waiting on her. There was some sort of fight or struggle they also believe that he likely knocked Mia out, which could explain the blood found on her pillow. He then tied her up and managed to get her out of the apartment through that window. Now, based on where this window was, he could have easily gone unnoticed. It was around the backside of the apartment complex. No cars, no foot traffic, nothing. But after the two leave the apartment, there is no indication as to where Armando could have taken her. 
But at this point, like I said, they have all they need to arrest Armando. By the time they gather all this information and get an arrest warrant, it's now Monday, September 27th. They make their way to Armando's apartment, and when they arrive, they are greeted by his roommate, who says he doesn't know where Armando is, and he lets them inside to check the apartment. Obviously, they're not just going to take his word for it, but there is no sign of the 27-year-old, so they are frantically trying to find him, thinking maybe he ran off now. In the meantime, they are tracking his phone records, and they get access to the GPS on his car, which we'll get into in a little bit. Several hours later, though, police in nearby Seminole County receive a disturbing call at the Sable Club Apartments. The caller said they found someone who appears to have committed suicide in a maintenance garage. And you know what I'm about to say. The person they found dead was the coward himself, Armando Caballero. When the news broke and when family finds out, Number one, they knew Armando was the guy who caused her disappearance. But number two, everyone is panicking because they can't speak to the person responsible. And that just means it's 10 times harder to find Mia. At this point, everyone is still holding out hope that she's out there. But if he's gone, then she's likely injured and without food or water. So the sense of urgency is intensified. But as the first few days pass by, there isn't much to go on. Although there was a small glimmer of hope when people started to notice that Mia was shown as active on Facebook on September the 28th, four days after she was last seen. The sheriff's office was contacted about this and they said they were aware of the activity but didn't consider it to be evidence of any kind. And ultimately, that did lead to a dead end. Again, the family is out taking matters into their own hands, and they decide to hire a private canine, a search dog to help with the search for their daughter. They contact Search and Rescue of Central Florida, which is a volunteer organization of canine handlers and their canines. But at the one-week mark, there was still no sign of Mia. Once again, there was another even larger group gathered at Arden Villas for another candlelight vigil. Priest was there and conducted a small sermon and led the group in prayer. But it was that next day that the case takes another dark turn. On Saturday, October 2nd, 2021, Marlon Marcano calls the detective working on the case, like he said he did every morning since she disappeared. He said he'd call every day, first thing in the morning, to find out if there was any new leads or anything new at all. And on that Saturday, nobody answered at first, but then the detective ends up calling him back. And this time he asked him, how soon can you get here? So Marlon, of course, jumps in the car and speeds down to the station. And when he gets there, they ask him to pull around to the back. That's when detectives deliver the worst news a father can receive. While their search party was out that morning, they found a body, and they believed it to be Mia. Her father said that his knees just buckled. Mia Marcano was found in a field near the timber scan apartments where Armando used to work. It was 17 miles southwest of where the Arden Villas complex was. 
This area was searched after GPS records placed Armando in that area between 8 and 9 p.m. for about 20 solid minutes the night Mia went missing. It was during the initial search of that area that Mia's body was found. Her hands had been bound behind her back, her legs were bound together, and her mouth had been covered with tape. Tape that Armando had access to through his job at the Arden Villas. The discovery of Mia's body was devastating to her friends and family, but also to the community who had been following Mia's story. That Saturday evening, a massive group of supporters showed up once again for another, this time tragic, candlelight vigil. This time it was much heavier and even more tears were shed. Since Mia's body was found, her family went after the sheriff's department because of after they received the initial incident report, there were many pieces of evidence missing. Long story short, the initial responding officer, Deputy Samir Paulino, did not follow proper procedure when he went to investigate the wellness check that Mia's mother had called him. According to investigators, Paulino failed to report certain details to his supervisor, such as the blood found on her pillow, as well as the box cutter found on the floor. Had he reported the two key pieces of evidence, the supervisor would have identified Mia as missing endangered instead of voluntary missing person, as it was originally labeled. And had she been labeled missing endangered, then the criminal investigations division would have been immediately notified. And I think what they're saying here is that had it been reported correctly, the family wouldn't have been doing all this on their own. They would have had more help in the search. They had to do, again, most of the legwork initially because of the Orange County Sheriff's Department didn't believe she was in danger. The supervisor and deputy were punished after it came to light that they had both violated department policies. Deputy Paulino received 150 hours of unpaid suspension, and his supervisor, Corporal Kenneth Dale, received 10 hours unpaid suspension. After their daughter's murder, the family took action, as they did from the start. On January 27, 2022, Mia's law was put into place. Mia's law strengthens residential tenant safety through background checks and restricted dwelling access for all employees. Now, after Mia's death, there was a wrongful death lawsuit filed by her family against the owner of Arden Villas. It was determined that a background check was done, but it was either ignored to a certain extent or it wasn't as extensive of a background check as it should have been, which is what Mia's law prevents now, luckily. In the initial background check, or had they really looked into it, in 2016, Armando was convicted in Polk County of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. And in March 2021, just six months prior to Mia's death, there was an incident at the Sable Club Apartments where he worked at the time and where he was later found dead from suicide. In March of that year, a woman stated to police that she believed Armando threw a black weight through her apartment window. This was after she supposedly said that she couldn't hang out with him. She said the two did have a date planned, but Armando asked to meet up sooner and she said she couldn't. And the next day she found her window shattered. Unfortunately, though, there were no charges filed. Mia Marcano's family has since honored the beautiful 19-year-old with a funeral fit for a princess, her father says. 
Mia was laid to rest on October 14th, 2021. Marlon prays that his daughter is just happy with the service that they had for her. And they plan to always keep her name alive. And that is the terrible story of Mia Marcano. Guys, this is, again, a tough one. I said that probably every week now, but this is a tough one because once again, had somebody done a better job, Mia could still be here. Had someone filed charges against Armando when they should have, maybe this would have prevented Armando from working at Arden Villas. I'm not putting blame on anybody here but Armando for Mia's death, really, but do better. Do better. There are many times where we can speak up. There are many times where we can do more than what we do. (laughs) If you see something suspicious, if you see something alarming, just make it known. Do your part. Come forward. File the charge if you have to. Don't try to avoid it to avoid, you know, some sort of backlash or or some sort of fight. You never know whose life you could be saving. But again, Armando's a coward, piece of garbage. And the sad thing is, is that there are men like him out there everywhere. Men that don't take no for an answer, think that they're entitled to, to someone, to a woman, just because they're a man. And they do things like this out of anger. And because they don't get their way, they pitch a little fit and they lash out. And things like this can happen. It's not always murder. Sometimes it's just abuse or fear. Fear that they instill in a woman. And it's just so unfair to be a woman sometimes because of men like this. That there are men with severe anger issues entitlement issues and things aren't done things aren't done they are protected and they know that especially with like guys like armando he's probably gotten away with things like this before we know we did in march but he's probably gotten away with things that we don't know about and because of that he was free to be at the arden villas to obsess over mia and ultimately take her life because he didn't get what he wanted from her So I just pray that we all do what we can, acknowledge this activity, acknowledge people like this and do what we can to protect the women of this earth. And, and it's not just men that act like this. I know there's women out there too, but I will stop rambling. (laughs) I will stop being fired up about this, but again, do what you can keep an eye out. Even if you think it's nothing, report it, but that is going to do it for me this week. Head over to the podcast Instagram. Like I always say, head over there and comment on today's episode post on your feelings about today's case. I'll be back here in two weeks with a brand new episode. Until then, stay safe, guys. Bye.